three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Texas Private School Podcast. As always, I'm half of your hosting crew, Wes Tollison, coming to you from Dallas, Texas, more specifically Sunnyvale. Walker Lott joins me from beautiful, beautiful College Station, Texas, where the water is more pure than anywhere else on the planet. Walker Lott, how how are you doing down in CSTAT? Back from a from an extensive trip in Fort Worth. Yeah, I went home to see the family and also was prepping for the retreat. And then after the retreat, spent time with the family. Uh, we can talk about that in a second. But no, the water is so bad here in College Station. I just I'm I'm putting that out there. It is so bad. I just had to change because we had to use the Brita. And I had to use the Brita. It took us like five more minutes to record this because I had to change my water because it was that bad. And you know, you spend time in DFW and you're like, oh, the water's fantastic. Then you come down to College Station, it's just uh, maybe that's the private school rant in me. But like, man, that was bad. It's so bad. Anyways, hey, there's a what's up, guys. <laughs> there's a lot of things that i love about college station but the water is just it's horrendous it is the most disgusting thing on the planet but this isn't a water clarity podcast this is a texas private school podcast and today we are going to be previewing division two probably the most fun division we'll get to preview in terms of raw talent and competition but before we get into that i want to do some quick housekeeping and recap our first annual Texas private school quarterback retreat that we had in Fort Worth at APR ranch um, about, about a week ago. No, about, yeah, about a week ago now. Um, This is something that, that we planned. We'd Mm. been planning for months and months and months. The amount of work that went into it was ridiculous. Um, And for it to go off without a hitch um, was something that I know we're both incredibly proud of. Just what are your thoughts and what do you want to say to the people um, that came and took time out of their day to come be a part of something that we're building. No, yeah, thank you everyone for driving up. We had we had Gibby from uh, San Antonio drive all the way up here, and Houston, Austin, uh, Midland, West Texas, Lubbock, uh, East Texas. Uh, everyone around the state drove around and came up to this thing, and it was just it was awesome. And so, firstly, thank you to you know, the parents and all the kids who drove up. Um, it was awesome. I thought it was a really good time, and uh, I mean, we we I mean. We're not trying to like shout ourselves out more, but I mean, we had guys say like, Hey, it was like, you know, I learned more here than I did at most college camps I went to over the summer and got more reps and got actually more instruction and actually had more fun there than most things they've done all summer camps wise. So I'm just, I'm glad they all had a good time in and that's really what mattered. And, uh, uh, it was good time. You know, I got to beat Dante Lewis and pool and it was a good time there. Uh, the St. The St. Thomas boys, you know, they're good at football, much better than I was, but they still don't got me in pool. And that's all that matters at the end of the day. But, um, yeah, man, it was a good time. It was awesome. You know, getting to see other guys, you know, some of the guys we haven't met in person before, like Carter Devereaux from Nolan Catholic and, uh, you know, guys like that where, you know, we know the name, but we haven't really seen them in person. So it was a good time to see all these guys. Uh, Hopefully uh, some of those 24s come back next year as like, you know, mentors to the young guys. And hey, if, if you're you didn't get invited or, you know, you were going to be invited, but, you know, type of thing, you just had a vacation or something like that, you might be there next year. So I'm excited for next year to make it even better than it was this year. But man, uh, a lot of hard work and dedication went into that. And uh, it was awesome, man. It was it was everything was worth it. And 
I was telling Wes, like, this was probably the biggest thing I've done in my life, like event wise or something like that. And it, I could have won, I couldn't have wanted it to gone any other way. Like it was, it was really, really good for our first one. So, uh, and also we got to announce our kind of our own apparel line with through these guys. So that was really, really cool. Wes is wearing that. The hat is another thing we're dropping. So, uh, stay tuned for that, but, uh, that should come out pretty soon before the season starts. So be excited for that. That's the next kind of thing we're excited about. So if you liked what we're, if you like what you saw in the videos and stuff, stay tuned because you, you might be able to cop one of your own. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, just one more thing on the camp. We always say that our, our biggest purpose outside of providing more coverage for private school athletes is to build a sense of community. And we don't say that in a, in a, in a cheesy, you know, um, stereotypical way. We genuinely want to build connections between us and the guys and have all the guys be connected to each other. And I think that's a big thing that everyone took away from it, which was one of our main goals. I mean, we had guys that will not get a chance to meet each other throughout the season, whether they're in different cities or different divisions. And we had, you know, guys from West Texas talking to guys from the Metroplex and Houston and vice versa. And that was my favorite part of the camp. Um, just bringing all the guys together, having everyone not just stick with their own guys from their school and talk to them, but having different players from different schools talk to each other and talk to us and build relationships. I mean, it meant a lot to me. And I know it meant a lot to you. And it was just, it yeah. was such a fulfilling moment. And it's something that we enjoyed so much that we plan on doing again. Um, I, I think this is something that we're going to try to make bigger and bigger. And at the end of the day, just make it something that everyone that comes to it gets something out of whether that's you know merch that we gave out or whether it's just you getting to talk to other guys but yeah also with the merch um i'm i'm so incredibly excited this has been a dream of both of ours to to we designed our own merch um i it's hard for me to turn around and show you but the back of it's really cool walker the the quarterback retreat shirts you designed are one of the coolest things that i've ever seen i wear it to work out like at least once or twice a week <laughs> But I mean, we will be we will be dropping um, merchandise at the beginning of the season and most likely towards the end of the season. So if you are wanting a way to support us, that is that is a huge way to do it. Not only are you just it's not also that you're just giving money with nothing in return. You're getting some nice apparel out of it, too. So if you want a way to support us, that's a huge way to do it. We would be incredibly thankful um, if you would go browse and and purchase some of our merchandise and wear it around and support support, not just us, but private school athletics in general. Yeah, I, and I want to add on to that quickly and say, you know, uh, we like saying merch, but we didn't really want to make it podcast merch because that's kind of at the same time, it's not not as cool for y'all. Yeah, it's cheesy. So it, right. And so we it's an apparel line that we are starting. And this is the first drop of hopefully many more drops down the road of actually cool stuff that you see rest one in the background. That's the Just Watch logo on the back of it. So um you know, stuff like that is what we try to do it because we we've been there. We know what it is. There you go. Like that's the back. And our saying is kind of just watch. That is our saying. And uh, it defines kind of that chip on the shoulder type of thing where it's a double entendre for us. You know, we're a media company that we want you to, of course, just watch us and, you know, collaborate with us. But at the same time, when you're an athlete, you know, you might kind of not be as like uh respected and we want you to have that chip on your shoulder to be like you don't you don't believe in me i just watch and that's kind of the double entendre for this and we're really excited for this and so that will be kind of a saying for our media company where we you know we promote y'all and all of that 
but we also want you to have that kind of chip on the shoulder attitude sometimes and have that just watch attitude. So that's going to be something we have with that throughout, throughout the time. Uh, and I want to give a sh- quick shout out to high point signs and apparel for helping us out with the, with the retreat, with all the shirts for that. They was fully funded by them. So thank you so much for that. And also he, they will be the guys that will be helping us with the apparel lines down the line. And we couldn't be more thankful for that. So firstly, thank you to them for helping us out with that. Uh, you know, the guy who owns the, is a father of, uh, of a couple guys that Brazos Christian here in for, uh, and Brian in the college station area. So he, he loves the private school, uh, landscape and so he's a really good guy so we appreciate him coming out and uh yeah i I wanted to make that quick shout out absolutely and yeah now y'all what we've been talking about over the past couple months when we've been saying okay like there hasn't been a whole lot of on-screen content but best believe we're putting a ton of work in behind the scenes the quarterback retreat and the merchandise have been big parts of that but you know this is something go on no 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 continue i want to make one last point after you finish all right. But yeah, no, it's just there are tons of work that we are putting in on all different fronts to try and make our coverage as high quality as possible, because, I mean, just straight up, we love doing it. That's that's the bottom line. We love getting y'all coverage and it means a whole lot to us. Walker. Yeah, I want you know, it was sometimes, you know, people when we're doing this company, we forget like it's right now. It's just, you know us to like this is what we're doing it we have ryan sometimes behind the scenes helping us out but you know he's still focusing on his job at osu and his internship with team usa so that's really what on his a lot of his main focus is but it's a lot of times me and him me and wes trying to figure out everything and it's a really good time so one thing we're really looking forward to is while we're doing housekeeping we're looking for interns so if you are in high school and you want to have a sports journalism you know experience before you get to the college level please reach out to us. Uh, Our email will be down below. Our social medias are always tagged right here on the screen. So please reach out to us. We're looking for kind of high school kids that want to do cover games for us, write articles, do interviews, stuff like that. Where if you're interested or know someone who's interested, please tell them to reach out to us at TX private school podcast at gmail.com or the socials on our screen. Uh, That's kind of the next step is we're trying to build a community, even on that side of sports journalism to give you all of y'all more and more coverage. So if you have anyone, that would love to be an intern or help us out please reach out to us thank you absolutely and i will say to that and i promise this is the last point before we get into the actual preview um as somebody who is currently going through job searching and things like that in terms of your resume there is no substitute for for industry experience and to break that down even further um yes your gpa is incredibly important don't slack off on grades but your people whenever you're applying for for jobs in sports journalism or broadcasting or stuff like that, people are going to ask you, okay, so what's your prior work experience? And if you're wanting to get that before you get into college, I guarantee you there's no better opportunity than this. So we help y'all, you help us. I think it'd be a great relationship. And yeah, just come be a part of something special and something in your own community and help build it up. I think it would be a great time for everyone involved. But all that being said, housekeeping out of the way, Walker, I think it's time to preview some TAPS Division II teams, and what better district to start with than the District of Doom, District 1. Um, this was far and away the best district last year. As much as I want to joke, it was it, it was District 2. It was not by a lot. But yeah, I mean, District 1 composed of Argyle Liberty Christian, Fort Worth All Saints, Midland Christian, Fort Worth Christian, Southwest Christian. Um, It's going to be... It's going to be an interesting time for sure. Do you want 
to I, I say that we that we unveil that we unveil that like we did for um division one we unveil our rankings for the district first and then and then go forward with that i like the idea sir absolutely so Without further ado, our preseason rankings for TAPS Division II District 1. We have Argyle Liberty Christian at first, Fort Worth All Saints at second, Midland Christian third, Fort Worth Christian fourth, and Fort Worth Southwest Christian fifth. So it's it's interesting. Um, I think the biggest, the, the, the hardest decision for us was who goes number one. Because Argyle Liberty and Fort Worth All Saints are engaged, you know, in the spirit of the Oppenheimer movie, they're engaged in a bit of an arms race. They're both, you know, building building nuclear weapons in the form of just elite, talented athletes. I don't know who's the U.S. and who are the Soviets in this uh, in this <laughs> analogy, but long story short, both teams have more talent that I've seen combined on private school rosters. Walker, we decided to go with Liberty first um, in a very, very narrow margin, by the way. Um, yeah, for the one, sake of one A, preview. one B type of thing. One A, one B type of thing. Yeah, we we talked for a good 15 minutes before this just on who goes who goes number one in this district. So, Walker, we made the decision to go with Liberty first. Um, what are your thoughts on the team and the thoughts on us on us keeping Liberty first? I think it was, uh, I mean, we kind of looked at every, honestly, position by position and kind of like tried to balance it out and see, all right, what matters more at some, some things. I, and we really liked the offensive side of the ball for Argyle a lot. And whether it is Cole Welliver or Hogan Nelson at the quarterback spot, they have some of the best receiving core. And they're going to be a graphic that I, I was already thinking about doing Wes of what is the greatest receiving core in all of Texas private school football right now. And you can make a great argument for, uh, for Argyle Liberty to have that number one spot with, with Michael Stump, uh, Brady Janusek and uh, Quentin Brown. Those three guys are going to be a deadly trio of weapons where they each bring something different to the table. And it's just, it's a recipe for success with anyone throwing those, the football. And I'm just so excited to watch them. And then you bring in Chase Garnett, right? That's his name from mm -hmm. uh, Keller central to be that running back spot. And I mean, it, I don't know how, I mean, you could have a 3000, you know, 3000 yard passer with uh, Hogan or, Cole and you have you might have multiple thousand yard receivers on this receiving court and it's going to be very very impressive for these guys uh this year and I'm excited for that and I think but then you know, on the other side of you of course you have Kelton Ryan and you know you have uh Dougie Doddard and Thomas Wright uh and guys like that I mean you're gonna be like well I don't I don't know how you do that with Reed Watkins who I think is gonna be an absolute stud this year is gonna be a game changer I mean how do you do that and then you you know you get in those debates like this is this is this would uh like back in elementary school, looking at the lunch table type of debate for like pro teams, this would be such a good one to have between these two teams. And you'll we'll get down the line, but there's a reason these teams have been kind of known as the top two teams in all of TAPS D2. And so th this is going to be a battle to really see who comes out of the North. And it's going to be really, really fun. And I'm really excited for their battles over the year. And I mean, I don't know what I'll be doing whenever they play, but I, I know I will be there no matter what. And I'm excited for that. And I supposedly like, I think it's at all saints this year. And I want to say, like I was talking to uh, some of the guys from the fourth area of the retreat. And they're like, a lot of Fort Worth schools are just coming by to just go watch that game. Cause it's that good of a game this year. So I'm excited for, I'm really, really excited to watch them play. Uh, I mean, I think defensively, 
man, I mean, defensive line that for both sides, Keller Patterson, Darius Quilcott off the edge, uh, more of a linebacker edge rusher type of thing. And then other guys. And then, but the linebackers of Coop, of CJ Witten and uh, the other kid that came from Keller central and uh, you know, then on the defensive line, Max Saul, like both defenses are going to be so, so good. And of course you have Kevin Doddard of the DB spot. And then like, and then Brady Janius like on the other side. And then you like, you're just like, you're like, Oh, I want a good player. No, you get a good player. And like, it's like a Oprah Winfrey and that mean like everyone gets a good player. Like that's, this game is going to be so much fun to watch. And it's it just a, like, it's a one, a one B type of thing. And I just, I think, the cohesiveness of maybe the Argyle team, I think is maybe going to set over an edge. And, you know, last year, Fort Worth all kind of struggled when they had a couple pieces move in and trying to gel and gel. And then they finally had success as the te- season went on. And I would love to know Wes, if you could look this up for me, when do, do they play earlier in district or do they play later in district? Because if it's a little bit later, that could help all saints like they did the past couple years or, is this going to be the type of thing where it's going to take longer or longer for them? And they might, that might hurt them like last year. So I'm intrigued by this team. Uh, I think both teams are going to be really, really good battle of elite quarterback matchups and elite players. Uh, so, I mean, I love, this is, we're going to talk a little bit more about this game and these matchups because this, these are the top two teams in private school and especially D two. So, I mean, I'm really, really excited for this matchup, man. This, I mean, it's going to be the battle of the Titans in Taps Division 2. Absolutely. To answer your question, it's the second to last game in district. Friday, October the 27th, Liberty goes to All Saints. And I I know we're going to have a great opportunity this season for us to be in two different places every week and getting a lot of games covered. Not that week. I will, I will also be at that game regardless. I, uh, unless, uh, unless, somehow and it wouldn't even make sense grace brook hill played just for nostalgia reasons and that's going to be a non-district game so there's no chance but i will absolutely that that i think will end up being the biggest private school football game i've ever covered maybe outside of regents fort bend um last year in the playoffs because that that by far has been the greatest up to this point also i've um i am very intrigued by um and I'm gonna say this like I'm digging up a prospect out of the dirt. It's Jason Witten's son, so I can't really be like, oh, here's this underrated unknown guy. It's the son of one of the greatest tight ends in the history of football. But Cooper Witten, class 27 athlete. I was talking, I was talking to guys recently, and um, they're like, they're like, you need to keep an eye on Cooper. Like, I know he's only gonna be a freshman, but he's he's freaky athletic. Um, and he has a chance to make a big impact day one for a loaded Liberty team. So I'm very interested to see how that goes. I'm very, very impressed with Liberty's offensive line as well with Keith and Smith, with Nate Humphreys, with all those guys. I think they're going to give they're going to give Chase Garnett a great lane, who's a great running back by himself, but running behind that line. I think it's going to be really good. Um my my opinion as to is to put Liberty over all Saints is I think. I think we just we've seen a lot more of the guys on Liberty in this district already. Almost all these guys we're talking about outside of, you know, Cole Welliver, obviously, um, played in this district last year and have gone through things together. Whereas All Saints is bringing a lot more guys in from different places who are fantastic athletes. I'm just going to need to see a couple weeks of them playing together before I'm like, okay these guys could be the best team. But like like we've said already, it's one A, one B. 
it's a coin flip who's better really. And regardless, it's going to be incredibly interesting. Um, I will be very interested to see who wins the cold war arms race between Liberty and all saints. Now, the question I have to raise, and also I didn't mention this off the top, but there are so many teams in D2, and we're not going to be here for four hours, so we're not going to go and preview every roster in depth. We're more just going to rank – we're going to rank the districts, and then we're going to talk about storylines. So another storyline I want to get into is how big is the gap between the top two of Liberty and All Saints and everyone else? Keep in mind that it's Liberty, All Saints at the top, and then behind them is Midland Christian, who finished above All Saints in district last year, by the way, right. and then Fort Worth Christian and Southwest Christian. I am of the opinion that the gap is massive, um, and we could be wrong. We always seem to underrate Midland. Um, burner accounts uh, tend to remind us of that in season. But first of all, I have a tremendous respect from Midland. I, I love the culture. I love the athletic department. They flew us out to a basketball game for crying out loud. Also, Midland, if you would like to fly us out or have us travel to a to a football game, I want to go watch a football game in West Texas. I got the yeah. chance to last year at Lubbock Trinity. If I got to at Midland, I would be over the moon. But that all being said, um, I'm sure Midland will be good. But Walker, how big is that gap between the two spot and everyone else in D1? Oh, I I, I I mean, I agree. I think it's massive. I don't think it's particularly close. I think, you know, I mean, for, we said last year with Fourth Christian that Fourth Christians any time for them to win was had it had been last year, and they it it did happen almost got there. You know, they almost went to the state game, and it was close. But I think they lose so much of a talented senior class. Have a couple transfers out, especially Hogan and Nate Humphrey. That's huge for them, and. It's going to be interesting to see how Fourth Christian deals with all of that. Bring in Luke Dodd, and that's a really good player. Tucker Ashford and Bryce Valley are going to be good. Uh, must the Midland Christian loses a good senior class too? Uh, have a couple transfers out. They have to figure out their quarterback, which I think Colton Newsom is going to do a great job at that. But Boston Rodriguez on the other side is a good player, and I think this new transfer of running back for Midland High, Riley Perez, is going to be a good player, good, really good player for them. Um, but and SES, I think they have to figure out their quarterback spot, but I really like, of course, Stigall, Maddox, Carroll, Bryce Anderson, and I really, really like DJ Beasley, the 2026 athlete who just got his Division One offer. So I think those guys are going to lead the team, and it's going to be really, really excited. I think Wyatt Averhoff is going to be the guy at the quarterback position this year, but it's going to be a first-year head coach over there for SES, Jeff Dirksen, and he's going to be. It's going to be interesting to see how he does a lot of them are going through a lot of changes and it's going to be interesting to see how they balance each other. But I think third through fifth is really going to be a coin flip. And remember last year for that division or for that district, the top four go. So one of those three teams are not going to make the playoffs. And SES had the bad luck of last year, not making it. Does SES make it? Do other two teams make it? Does SES, do they change their entire offensive scheme or defensive scheme under a new head coach? SES or Fourth Christian, how do they handle a lot of transfers and a lot of graduating seniors? And Midland Christian, you know, they have lose their quarterback. They graduate a big senior class. How do they deal with that transition? So a lot of them are going to be dealing with a lot of different transitioning into the next cycles of their teams. And but to answer your question, I think it's a very very big uh, drop off, and it's going to be interesting to see how those teams battle it out with each other. I agree. And that actually your your commentary on let the top four go. Um, it, it segues very nicely into my last storyline for District One is 
can Midland outgrit the Metroplex schools? Now I'm I'm throwing out Liberty and All Saints here. Like they could beat them, but very most likely Liberty and All Saints are way too good on paper for to lose to anyone else in this district. Right. Can Midland Christian outgrit Fort Worth Christian, Southwest Christian, and solidify third place in that district? I think they can. I'm really excited to see this Briley Perez kid, and I think he might step them because he might, might be he might take them over the edge in those games. And I love Colton Newsom that he's going to be a dual threat guy for them, of course. And uh, can you look up and see what games are at Midland this year? Because yes, I know can. I can, I know Argyle's at Midland, so that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, because Argyle, those guys, they have never made that drive out there, so that's gonna and be. We, very we forget, we forget our point on bus fatigue and how how much of a role that right. plays. I will one day run a regression to figure out how much each hour of bus fatigue affects a point in a game. I will get it done at some point. And I want to say also talking about Midland, they only have three home games this year, only three. Yeah, because they're in, missed in they're, district they're, or in overall. And yeah, because it's just how their schedule ended up. They only played nine games. They're, I think they're missing a week one game still. And they start out with regions at home. But you can look that up for me and tell me if I'm wrong. Dude, their, fir- their first four games are away. Pleasant Grove neutral, um, then Eden, then Del Rio, and then Cornerstone. Oh, my gosh, dude. That's criminal. In, in can- district, yeah. No, can, can keep going. What's district look like yeah, for them? And then in district, they play All Saints in Fort Worth. Liberty in Midland, Fort Worth Christian at Fort Worth Christian, and then SCS at home. That is that is criminal for for a program whose one of their biggest advantages is their location, making teams come to them. That is tough. Yeah, and do they play regions? They play regions at home their first game, right? And then they go four on the road. Is that how it is? Oh yes, I missed the first game. Yes, okay. it's it's regions. It's regions in dude. That'll be that'll be nasty. That'll if, be a fun game. That's a really good game. If hey, fly us out for that or Liberty. Yes, yes, one of those. Come on, man. We're 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 asking for it. Anyways, anyways, down the line, they they know they know they know. It's it, we've we've pleaded. Anyways, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Millen has. That advantage of the Liberty and SES games that being at home is going to be a huge for them. And uh, traveling to Fort Worth Christian, which is definitely not the farthest one they would have to do. So I think I think they could definitely outgrit them. They always have. That's something that West Texas grit, West Texas, West Texas toughness, they always just have, man. So uh, I think Midland solidifies that third spot pretty easily. So. I think so. And the last thing I'll ask is Fort Worth Christian versus SCS four and five. We had some discussion regarding who should obtain the dweller spot. I've hearing just hearing people talk at Fort Worth Christian. Um, a lot of people are down on um on on the team this year. And a lot of I'm saying that a lot of people from Fort Worth Christian are down regarding just how you just with how much you lose. I mean, they lose a ton of talent, but we're still having them at fourth. Um, and Southwest Christian at fifth. Um, Walker, I don't think there's a huge, huge gap there. I think four and five are pretty interchangeable. But before we get out of District One, what are your thoughts on on four and five? Because it's a big deal. Because five misses the playoff and four goes. Yeah, I think uh, that battle in fourth is going to be a really fun matchup, and uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the teams gel by the point uh, of the season when they have to play. Because uh, it's always a good game. They've 
played each other for years now, probably a decade plus of them fighting it out against each other. And those teams know each other very, very well in every single sport. So uh, that is one of the only rivalries that has stayed in that district. And so uh, it's going to be a good one. And it being, I don't know where the season, I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, it being at SES, and I love SES's environment usually. So it being at, at SES, is, I think it's going to maybe hope uh, have that advantage to SES's favor. And I wonder how teams are going to face with DJ Beasley and uh, J.R. Stigall on the defensive line. Those two guys are going to cause havoc most games they play. So uh, I don't think most offensive lines in that district are going to hold up against those two dudes. So as long as they get theirs, and I think that will help SES's chances. But uh, I think Luke Dodd is probably, what, the third best quarterback in that district. So, uh, yeah, I think he's going to help out with that that team. So it's going to be a balance of who, how do they help each other. So I agree. We are hearing some rumblings about possible um imports into i say it like it's like it's a crate of sugar or tea or something <laughs> possible transfers to into fort worth christian and if okay. if what i'm hearing does happen yeah absolutely they they stay at four but it'll be interesting um i'm very excited to see how d1 play or district one plays out uh as as we've said before and i just want to for walker for your sake um i, I will mention this because i know you probably won't it is criminal what happened to teams like scs and fourth christian with all the d1 teams moving down to d2 if all of those teams moved in to district two and i had to watch grace play liberty and all saints in midland every week i'd probably tear my hair out but you know that's just the way the, I, the I, chips fell and I will say like this, we had our great years of at SES when they were not there, luckily. So like we got, we like, you know, the years where we had the most talented rosters were the years they were not there, but we had to run into DC. Now DC is gone. So if like, if it was just two more years later of them coming down and then DC could have went down, like it, it almost worked out in our favor, but uh, you know, you can't get everything right for you. So. Yeah, I mean, you, now you know how I feel because we had to play DC in district every week. So it's it's you're you're trading Goliath for another Goliath at the end of the day. Yeah, but that being said, those are our thoughts on Taps Division Two District One. We will now transition into the uh, the Teddy Bear District District Two, and that pains me to say because my beloved Grace community makes up this district, and it's just we were talking about this pre-show, and I'm not hating on any teams in this district, but it is it is such a sharp drop off from District One. I think there's in in this district, I think there's going to be a ton of competition. Um, we will get into can any of these teams beat any of the teams from District One in the playoffs, but it's just there's just a stark stark talent differential. But before we go any further, let us unveil the TXPS Division One District Two preseason power ranking starting at number one. The Grace Community from Tyler Cougars, we have them at number one. Number two, we have Legacy Christian out of Frisco. Number three, we have Grapevine Faith. Number four is Bishop Dunn. And number five is Coram Deo. So those are our power rankings for Division Two, District Two. Walker, we we spent some time here. This is a really interesting district to rank. Um, I think you take you take Coram Deo out of the equation and you put Grace, Legacy, Faith, and Dunn up there and put them on a dartboard and just blindfold yourself and throw a dart. You could probably make a case for any of those teams being number one. Yeah. Um. There, there's we we mentioned. Um. There's 
there's no outside of Clayton Sebecki at Grapevine Faith, who is far and away the best athlete in this district. There's no one that really stands out as a guy that you look at and you're like, holy crap, that guy's good. There's a lot of solid players. There's a lot of tier two really good high school football players. But in terms of like division one prospects, it's Sebecki and then just kind of no one else. But in terms of our overall rankings, Walker, you want to give a little more insight as to why we thought the way that we did. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of them is who's coming back and, you know, roster What is the I forget the term turnover. roster roster turnover. Is that the term I'm looking for where mm-hmm. Grayson legacy really didn't have a lot this year and they, they lost a, cl- a lot of uh, they've lost, of course, a senior class, but not a huge one. Grace loses Simeon Gardner, which that's huge for y'all. But um them and legacy really have a lot of guys returning this year. And uh, I know you'll talk about more grace later a little bit, but uh, Grayvine faith loses is a big senior class led by a, what four, three year starter and chase cross and, you know, guys like that. And I want to see who, who else did they lose? Uh, Parker Barley, Jaden Norris, Grady Norman, um, Campbell Stites. They lost a big senior class. And then they had John Raybuck transfer out, uh, and a couple other guys transfer out and you kind of are left with guys who are not bad, but that much turnover with also a new head coach. How are you supposed to kind of be like, all right, that could be a team that can fight for the district title at the, all of a sudden. So I think it's going to be interesting to see. I, we put the grip on phase three because I mean, the head coach looks like he has a really good pedigree and, um, you can't ever really count out grapevine faith for the, the culture they've set there for over the years. But, Bishop Dunn is also a team that has could really fight for any of these spots too. Is this Bishop Dunn is going to be an interesting squad because you really don't know much about them and not much about them, but like they're always going to be a dogfight in most games they play. And so you you might they might lose a couple, they might win a couple. So this game, like you said, it, it could be just a dartboard, and this these five could be switched up anywhere. So it's going to be interesting to see this year. But I think just roster turnover played a big part in this season. For us. Absolutely. That's that's Carson. That's uh that's Chase Cross, the younger brother of Carson Cross. Correct. Yes. Yes. Dude, I'm so old. I, I remember I remember doing a podcast previewing a game with with his brother that like four years ago. And that ugh, I don't like how old that makes me feel. But but yeah, I mean, I will speak on our rationale to put Grace number one to try to make this not seem like a homer pick at all because I've I've been I've been down on Grace when they're down. I I admit that, but I will say I think Grace out of all the teams brings the most back. That's not to say they lose very good players in Jamarion Johnson, Caden Lynch, Nick Stewart, Caleb Wilson, Reed Alexander, Cole Crawford. It's an extensive list, but they're bringing guys back like Dylan Taylor, JT Williams, Blake Harmon, Grant Turner. I think Dylan Taylor and Blake Harmon are going to be the best linebacking crew in that district. And I think that's that's the most important piece of, of your defense. And I think that's going to be huge for Grace. I'm very I think Dylan Taylor and Blake Harmon are two of the most underrated linebackers in the state just because they're hidden away in East Texas. They're also bringing in a kid at quarterback named Zach Davis that I had the opportunity to be around and help train a year ago. Um, they're going to move JT Williams into the slot or running back, I think. And then Zach Davis, more on him. He's he's a very talented player. He's a young kid. He's going to be a sophomore, but I think he's going to be very good. 
And then also um, Grant Turner, GT, 5'9", 175, a little scuttlebug, but he's electric with the ball in his hands. You turn on his tape, then you get the kid the ball, and the kid finds the end zone. It's it's incredibly fun to watch. But that being said, with Tim Russell there, with Coach Maddox, a guy that knows Grace better than anybody in the state, being back as the offensive coordinator, I really do think that – that Grace has a really good chance. And honestly, if I'm if I'm being real, no excuse not to win this district. If Grace doesn't win this district this year, it's going to raise some serious questions because everyone else is so down. Um, we will see, though. It's going to be interesting. Um, I'm going to if if Grace gets about three district games in and goes three and oh, you're going to see me come completely unglued and say Grace is going to go to the semis and the playoffs. Um, it's going to be a fun time. But that being said, that's kind of our rationale on the rankings. I think we've we've spoken at length on on the teams that comprise District 2. So let's get into some storylines. And Walker, I'm going to bring up the most glaring one. Can anyone in this district hold a candle to District 1? They went 0-4 in the playoffs last year against District 1. Faith kept it relatively close with All Saints. And Don barely lost to Fort Worth Christian. True. But you, you do have to remember that. But at the end of the day, if you're looking at at talent on paper, it seems like it's not close. Do you think it's there's anyone in this district? Do you think the best team in this district can beat the worst team in this district in the playoffs? Uh, I think with a like a Fort Worth Christian or SES has to be that fourth spot. They're gonna have to play them. Uh, so yeah, maybe I I could I could say maybe one of them beating them. But it, I if you ask me, will they? Like I have to say an answer. Probably not. No. I, I think th- there's not a lot of division one talent in that district, which is so crazy to say, because I mean, Simi, like, of course, uh, Clayton Sebecki is one of them, but there's not another guy that like with Juan million Aguilar leaving Bishop Dunn with Simeon Garner leaving grace. Uh, those guys got leaving. They lose a lot of the division one elite talent they have in that district. So it's a lot of good football players, which is never a bad thing. Like I'm when, like we're just saying there's not a elite guy that could maybe run the district, like maybe in years past. Uh, so I think I, I just, no, I, I really don't think so. I agree. Um, and that's not a knock on any of those teams in five or six years ago. All of these, a lot of these teams would be considered like very good teams in private school. It's just the landscape has changed so dramatically in the last half decade that it's hard to recognize the sport. And that's not a good or a bad thing. It's just change. But you kind of have to adapt with the times. We will see. Um, I, I do think District 2 is going to be incredibly fun to watch. It's just can any of those teams make any noise in the playoffs? On paper, probably not. But yeah, and then we we talked a lot to the massive shakeup, the faith transfers, the great skill position turnover. It's it's very interesting. Um, also, I want to talk. We have two first year coaches in the district. We have Doug mm. Hicks at Legacy and Bobby Holland, the Highland Park um, incomer at Faith. I think, and both of those teams are teams that we think could potentially win the district if things if the chips fall the way that those teams hope. What are your thoughts on both of those guys coming in at their respective schools and what that means for both Legacy and Faith? Yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting to see. I think. You know, I don't know much about Doug Hicks, but the Bobby Holland Highland Park connection. I mean, Highland Park is one of the best respected Texas high school football programs ever. So having him to come over is going to be huge for them. And um, I think having that pedigree is going to be well, well respected over there. And, you know, especially with like 
especially high school kids, because I don't know if you ever had any head coaching turnover when you were playing, but um, like respect is a lot in any locker room, right? Like having the respect of your, like you respect your coaches is probably the number one valuable thing you have. And so having a pedigree like that, is going to be huge for him, especially at a place like faith. So uh, I think that's going to be a huge, uh, huge win for uh grapevine faith is the hire of him. I definitely think so. I think that's that's big for them. Legacy I'm interested in because you know there was there was a lot with coach Trotter and everyone else coming in there was a lot of noise um and it seemed like Legacy was going to try and take a hard pivot in a new direction and then it honestly just flamed out and it just fell apart and in one year that entire staff is more or less gone and they're bringing in new guys. So I hope for legacy's sake that Doug Hicks is a long haul hire. I hope that he gels really well with the team. They win games this year because I, I would like to see, I would like to see legacy, you know, cause I remember back in, back when I was helping coach at grace, when I was a sophomore in high school, uh, Grace or sophomore in college, grace played legacy like week one. And it was like a top 10 matchup in the state. Um, it was, I, I, I really do hope that legacy gets back to the way that they were. And I, I think, hiring Doug Hicks is a step in the right direction. One second, I want to add on. And they, unlike other schools, they should be getting a lot of transfers in, being real. Like, with how the world is nowadays, Frisco is a monumental area. Plano, North Dallas, all that area is a monumental area for the transfer portal. Like, you should be able to get a lot of kids from Frisco High who, in the Frisco ISD district, maybe not are playing as well and want to transfer over. That should be something you should really key asset on so uh i hate that i'm vouching for transfers but like you might you just kind of have to especially in division two uh you kind of have to vouch for it and so hopefully uh doug hicks kind of makes that a priority absolutely but the last point i want to bring up in district two is regarding bishop dunn Whenever I watch their spring game, I notice two things. The first being the skill positions are really good. In between Quincy Reams at quarterback, Bradley Mays at receiver, Kyle Millett at linebacker, um, Josiah Rome at running back, or Von Robinson at cornerback. Um, they've got a lot of like a very flashy skill talent. The problem, Paul Geary as well at linebacker. Um, the problem is the offensive and defensive fronts, quite frankly, are really bad. Um, there were very few snaps I saw that Quincy wasn't scrambling and because the pocket broke down really quickly. I think I think Dunn's skill players rival anyone else in the district. I think their lines are far and away the worst in the district. Um, for, for Dunn to be competitive and for them to take a step in a position to, to potentially win that district – they're going to have to figure the things out on the offensive and defensive line. Walker, I mean, you're, you're a former offensive line. Then just how important do you think it is with the skill players they have that they figure things out on the offensive and defensive fronts? Oh, hundred uh, percent. Talking offensively for a second, like it is going to be so crucial to be able to protect Quincy and let it, the, let him throw to his other guys. Like that is going to be huge. Like, in, in high school, like you don't have to have a six five all offensive line and dominate and have that. You don't need that in a high school level. You just need guys who are be able to do their job, be able to pull and protect their quarterback. And with some of the better offensive linemen sometimes are, you know, the five, ten guys at center and just being really being really good. So at that time, that's all that really matters. And hopefully, um, 
especially at the private school level, you should be able to find a pretty good offensive line. Um, not everyone has to have Paris where, you know, they're just different from themselves. But, uh, I mean, offensive line is crucial in any game. As everyone always says, the game is one of the trenches. And so uh, if they if your defensive line can disrupt the offense and not let their running game going and not let the off uh, quarterback be comfortable, that's huge as well. So I think um, – having not the greatest of offensive defensive lines for Bishop Dunn is going to hurt them and uh, hurt them a little bit as the season progresses. I think so for sure. Um, I'm going to be watching closely if Dunn gets anyone in before the season starts and it's, it's going to be, it's going to be very fun to watch. But like I said, before we move on to district three, I I don't think I hope that District 2 can field some teams that can potentially play with some of the teams in D1 or District 1. I don't anticipate it happening, but I'm very excited to watch the competition within District 2 because I think it's going to be it's going to be a fun district. I don't think there's a clear horse that's going to win this race, and I think yeah. the competition within the district is going to be a fun time. That being said, we will now transition down a little farther south into District 3 around the, the Austin-San Antonio area. This is going to be a fun one as well. And before anything else, let's just go ahead and say our power ranking. So for TAPS Division Two, District 3, the way that TXPS has the preseason power rankings. Number one, who else? Austin Regents. Number two, we have Austin Hyde Park. Number three, we have Brownsville St. Joseph. Number four, we have St. Michael's Christian. Number five, we have TMI Episcopal. Number six, we have St. Joseph Victoria. Number seven, we have San Antonio Christian School. And number eight, we have St. Anthony's. So, Walker, I think more or less um, the rankings make sense. I don't know how you're going to argue that anyone besides Regents gets that top spot. And Hyde Park, I think they've opened a lot of people's eyes as to how far they have progressed in the past couple of years, especially last year. And then St. Joseph, I, I think that rounds out a very clear top three, a team that that played very, very well, an incredible receiving core and offense. But in terms of the way that we have D3 structured, what are your thoughts on it? And more or less, why do we do the things that we did? Yeah, you know, uh, we definitely are not doing the mistake we did last year of not putting <laughs> Regents in the top spot. Just for, you know, just had to bring that back. It's funny. But, um, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see some of these teams and how they uh, how they change. You know, we have a lot of uh, differences in a lot of these teams, especially with St. Michael's TMI. You lose one of the Gardner brothers, you know, he graduates, goes to Colorado State. Uh, you lose Grayson Donald at quarterback. St. Michael's loses one of the probably one of the most talented senior classes they've had in a while. They had lose Jason Stokes, Nehemiah Griffin, a couple others, Bo Ogden sticks to just basketball. Um, so how do they develop and how do how is that team gonna look next year? You know, and that's gonna be interesting to see. Um uh, Brownsville St. Joseph, they lose their quarterback. He graduates, goes to play college ball. And they have who else do they have that can be something else? You know, like who else do they have and who's going to be standing out? Hyde Park is going to be interesting to see. Uh, you know, new quarterback coming in who at the seven on seven tournament, man, uh, he looks pretty good. And having a guy like Carter Brawl throw to him, uh, it's going to be very, very good for them. And Regents, I mean, how big of a leap. You know, does the Michigan offered Quinn Murphy take in his second season? So I think there's a lot of storylines in this uh, district, uh, but I think we got it right in the rankings for sure. 
Yeah, I think we did. Um, then again, we were going to say that regardless of the rankings we make. I don't know if we're ever going to come out and say, nope, I think these rankings are going to be completely wrong by week three. But inevitably, that's more or less what happens. But yeah, I think it's a big storyline is how big of a step does Quinn Murphy take in year two? Obviously, as a freshman, I mean, he he blew the doors off of District 3. And I think I mentioned it in our 7-on-7 seven seven recap, but... The kid grew like a weed between November and June because, like I said, I remember talking to him in November and interviewing him. You go back and look at the interview. I'm like more or less like either looking straight at him or looking down a little bit. And I'm like, okay, this kid looks kind of like a freshman. Then I go to talk to him at seven on seven. I'm like, why am I angling my neck up to look at this dude? So, yeah, Quinn Murphy has grown. Um, Just everyone else. Um, on that team, very solid. I'm drawing blanks on names. Um, Jackson Smith's younger brother, Blake Smith. Yeah, yeah, Blake Smith. Um, well, I've spoken at length how much he impressed me. Um, Walker, I'm going to rely on you again. The, the really, really tall uh, kid that's the younger brother of um, Powell. Hudson Powell. I just picked it up. Anyways, uh, <laughs> he really stood out to me. He's going to be a dog for them next this year. And Austin Regions. I mean, they they look talented as ever. I think on the other side, having Jacob Wilburn. Wilburn, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jacob Wilburn, the other side, leading the defense, uh, starting since he was a freshman. I mean, those they have guys that are going to be such talented athletes on both sides of the ball, and you know they they might be the favorites coming out of the South this year. It's gonna be it's gonna be a very interesting squad, and you know we can talk about it a little bit. Quinn Murphy might be the next best quarterback out of private school. And since, you know, uh, probably Preston Stone or Sawyer Anderson or just guys like that, Kelton Ryan, where he could go a true power five dude and be really, really impressive. And he's only going to go up from there. And I don't know where, you know, Austin Regents get these guys from the ground up and they just grow them over there. But, man, uh, they get lucky with their quarterbacks. That's the third in line of true, uh, really, really good quarterbacks there at Austin Regents, man. I think they're just planting them like carrots, like when they're like six or seven years old. And then like Phillips just kind of like lets them, lets them grow for about five years and just kind of like goes to the farm looks, just like pulls one off. Like, yeah, you'll do. And just throws them into the office. But like, because like just, that's, they're not transferring in. Like no. they grew up there. Like they, they grew up at Austin Regents and they just, they just breed quarterbacks over there. You got to respect it, man. You got to. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, I'm not, I'm not talking down on transfers at all. I've made it very no, clear. Yeah. I've made it very clear that that's, that's part of the game. Now I think you have to plan for that, but I think it's really, really special. Like when you, when you home grow talent like that, and you're just so consistently good, I'm a broken record. It's cliche is all get out at this point. I talk about culture so much, but you are hard pressed to find a better one in the state than Austin regions. It's just really impressive to watch, but. And they, and they got some swagger to them. They was so cool. Cool watching them at uh tap seven on seven like you know every other team they're going through the motions they bring out the speaker while they're walking <laughs> through the whole everyone else and i'm like they got some swagger down there in austin it's awesome i'm i i know you know i picked against them a couple times and they're not the biggest fans of me but i'm a big fan of them and their program and you know starting with bryden over there for the you know for a decade plus and coach phillips over there now is doing a really good job of continuing that success so i'm excited for this team man really am Absolutely. So that actually allows us to to transfer into our storylines pretty seamlessly. My question, my first question is, does anyone sniff regents in this district? No. 
uh, I know that's not good podcast like discussion, <laughs> but uh, no, I think Hyde Park is a really good squad. And I think Brownsville has a really couple really good guys of Cristiano and Torres and uh, the the other guy, uh, the offensive lineman. I got to give my O lineman a love a little bit. Uh, Diego De La Cruz, a six four mm-hmm. offensive lineman. He's going to be really really good out there, and uh, uh, he's going to be a guy to one one to watch for the next couple of years. He's only a, he's going to be a junior too. Like, would he be couple... willing to relocate to East Texas, specifically <laughs> Tyler, off of uh, off of off of off the loop? Uh, I think he'd much more rather want to go live in Fort Worth, Texas, and go to a school down there called Southwest Christian. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna get into the high school nil game. We're gonna start just like <laughs> just like just like auctioning for players. Don't say that. You can't say that because like that we're immediate. You can't be doing that because maybe we'll be like it's, oh it's satire. So I want a, I want a big warning on the screen that says satire. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness. Uh, but no. Uh, I think. St. Joe's has a couple guys that are going to be really, really good. And I think that battle, like a, a sneaky, really good matchup is going to be Hyde Park versus St. Joseph uh, in that for that kind of second place, second place spot. And I would love to know um, who, where they're around, who's playing. Um, what quarterback? No, who, where is that game going to be played this year? And uh, I, th- ah. I think. While you're looking that up, I will raise a question. Um, I think St. I think St. Joe's has a lot of talented prospects. The question I have with them is who's playing quarterback? You know, that that's a big question. Looking through looking through their list, they have two 26s. They've got Gavin Cicernos and then Sebastian Solis Castillo. Um, and I those are just names. I don't know anything about them at this point. Um, and, and yet again, it's two sophomore kids that we're presuming are in a battle for quarterback unless they transfer an athlete there. So they have they have fantastic wide receivers in Cristiano and then Torres. But the question on my end is who's giving them the ball, which I think I think they'll figure that out. But it's just it's a it's a minor question right now. I have preseason for sure. And that game is going to be at Hyde Park. So that's going to be a big favor for uh, Hyde Park in that game, of course. And uh because Brownsville, that drive to Brownsville is it's kind of like the drive down to, you know, the going to the Midland. It's the opposite side it of the is. world where you go to the bottom part of Texas. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how Brownsville, which I mean, they kind of deal with that already with all the driving they probably have to do. So they're not they're used to it. So I, I just I, they have a couple guys, but I definitely think losing Ethan Gall- Gall- sorry, Ethan Gallegos. Have to I have to say that correctly, Ethan Gallegos too, uh, because he was a transfer guy too, uh, coming in this past year playing quarterback and then going to college. If they can find another guy, that would be huge for Brownsville St. Joseph, a guy who maybe is proven in that area. I just realized we all of last year we call him Gallegos, didn't we? Oh yeah. How did you figure? Did, did somebody tell you well, that? Or did you just now realize we need to do that? Well, I was I was watching something. And they, it was the same last name, and they said it Gallegos, and I went, "Oh, that's definitely supposedly how you're supposed to say that." And I and I was like, and I was like, "Oh, dang!" And it was after we recorded the award show and everything, and I went, "All right, well, nothing we can do about it." But uh, I know how to pronounce his name now, probably, because I'm I'm guessing you had like six years of Spanish in school, too, right? right? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, there's no excuse for us not to know that a double L in in a Hispanic name is a Y sound. Well, I'm I have an excuse. I'm a, I'm a hit kid from East <laughs> Texas. I I I can claim that you're you're from Culture DFW. You you have no excuse. What? <laughs> 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's definitely DFW makes some way more sense for that. Um, you see, I I took Chinese my couple last couple of years in high school. What? Yeah. Ni hao ma. Why? Ni Like I I know a little Chinese in me, but uh, <laughs> I mean that's uh means what is your name? That's actually what it is. Uh. I will she won GXP's podcast. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, well, she won means I like. I like she won means like to like, and woe is I. I. I refuse to let this derail us more than it already has. But why did you take Chinese in high school? Because it was easier for me personally, and also like it was just more fun, and I enjoyed it. And it's the world; it's gonna be the world's language, man. I don't, I don't know, but it was easier in high school for me. So, I I'm gonna try to find a a path to softly land us from that conversation. That might be the the best rabbit trail that we've taken ever in the history of TXPS, but Walker Lot is conversationally fluent in Chinese. Uh not but. much. I, I've lost a lot. <laughs> I tried to I tried to go back on Duolingo the other year and oh. I was trying to like remember like whatever. So like I remember small stuff, but like yeah, like I, I don't remember a lot of things. But like I can like I can listen to like a if I was watching one movie and if I really pay attention, I can hear words that I can remember, but I can't remember like full sentences that they say. Okay, that that's awesome. I I highly respect that. You are now excused for for not pronouncing Gallegos correctly. I I fully endorse that. But that being said, moving on down our list of storylines in District Three, um, the part of the big reason that I have Hyde Park second is because of how good Carter Bra is, and I know that's not really great. That's not great practice to do that off of off of one player, and I'm not doing it off of one player. There's some other guys I want to mention. But uh, Brawl is going to be very good. Walker, you were one of the first people to mention how good of a prospect he looked. He's he's going to be a senior. 6'5", 225, moves incredibly well for his size. I mean, he's going to be incredibly talented, and I think he can help lead them to a second-place spot. Also, their new quarterback, Jacob Van Ryan, looks very talented. 6'2", 170, going to be a junior this season. I'm having to do the math now because 25s have always been sophomores in my mind, so I'm going to have to get used to saying that. But I think between Van Ryan, Carter Braw, guys like Quay Jackson, Rip Wintley, Trip Riley, I think that Hyde Park has a really good chance to take another step forward from a third-place finish last year and turn that into a second-place finish. Walker, do you think that makes sense? Oh, 100%. And I think they have a couple guys in uh... – you know, I, I want to say shout out to Coach Dawson. We finally got to meet him at the TAP 7-on-7 seven seven tournament and, you know, got to meet him. And he said, you're always welcome down there in Austin for him. And so – and their team was really, really cool, man. They're really good guys. And I, I, I'm I a big fan of Carter Bra. I think he'll be a good tight end where if he needs to put his hand in the dirt and block, he can do that definitely and also, you know, catch the ball too. And Quay Jackson, Trip Riley looks pretty good. And uh, new transfer, Reverson Shaw, I think, from the Hill Valley. But yeah, Jacob Van Ryan is going to be a kid that I'm excited to watch, and at a, and he was throwing the ball really well at the Tap Seven on Seven event. So I think they have a couple of guys, and I think they can solidify that second spot. Which what a what a turnaround with under Phil Dawson at the head coaching position for Austin High Park, and I think they can come back to the High Park of Olds because supposedly I was talking to a guy, uh, 
down from the Austin area. And he was like, yeah, like they used to be like really, really good. And so I think Hyde Park can definitely get back to that uh, over years after years. So I'm excited. Absolutely. I do think that the last um, the last thing I want to hit on before we move out of District three is I genuinely think and I don't know if it's a hot take or not with how much talent there is in District three. I think there's a strong possibility that senior Amon Gardner is going to be the best skill player from TMI in this district, not the best skill player from TMI, the best skill player period in this district. If you haven't look up his look up his huddle film, it's one of the more fun tapes I've gotten the chance to watch. Um, he's just he's super solid. I don't know if TMI has enough talent outside of him to make a run at like a second or third place spot. I don't think they do personally, but Armand Gardner in a vacuum is just electric. I really want to see TMI find more ways to get him the ball this season. Just let him run loose. I think it's going to be a really, really good time. And I, I just think I think he's a player that has to get the ball in his hands and someone that could be a dark horse for like district offensive player of the year i think either quinn murphy or jacob wilburn will have district mvp locked up just because regents is going to win that district and usually the winners of the district are going to get that spot but i i do think he's somebody that could be a dark horse for like first team all state somewhere around that but walker before we move out of district three is there anything else you want to hit on no, I, I'm excited for this district, man. I think it's good. I'm really excited to see what how St. Michael's does because new head coach, new uh knew a lot of positions, and they tra- get a lot of transfers out. And it's gonna be interesting to see how does St. Michael's deal with a lot of turmoil in the past year in the offseason and going into this year. And they've always been awesome to us. And we and coach coach scales down there is a great dude. So I'm I'm excited for uh rooting for St. Michael's this year. Absolutely. As long as Scales is at St. Michael's, I'm a, I'm a St. Michael's fan for sure. Absolutely wonderful man. But moving on into our fourth and final district in Division Two, we moved down to Houston to preview this. And without further ado, we will get into the power rankings of TAPS Division Two District Four at number one. This has been a large question for a lot of people moving into the season. We have the Houston Second Baptist Eagles at number two. We have the Fort Bend Christian Academy Eagles at number three. We have the Woodland Christian Academy at number four. We have Lutheran South at number five. We have Beaumont Kelly and at six we have St. John's. So. Walker, um, this is kind of a situation like District 1 where we've gone back and forth on who gets the first spot. I will say, personally, it's still tight, but I think it's a little bit more clear-cut than District 1, who's the number one spot. We gave that to Second Baptist. What was our rationale in doing so? I think kind of like we did for District 2, where roster turnover was a huge thing, and... um, uh, I think having the guys that returned for second Baptist is huge. I think having, you know, they lose Kyle Cole Morgan, which is, was a huge loss for them, of course, but they return Turner Murdoch, JD crisp and Cannon tune, uh, Bryce Butler, uh, and others that I'm just uh, blanking on top of my head. But, um, Charlie Shears is a big one. Chase Tepper, the offensive lineman, uh, you know, other guys like that, Jackson powers. and, you know, they return a lot. I know it's under a first year head coach and Beck Bryden, but you know, Beck Bryden is one of the most well-respected of one of the, you know, Mount Rushmore type of guys for private school football. And you probably return the best athlete in all of that district and JD crisp. 
And that I think that's going to be a lot where some guys just having a couple guys on your team will just set you apart. And I think having guys like JD Chris, Shears, Murdoch, I think will set them apart. And on the other side, of course, for Ben, they lose a lot. And they lose, you know, a lot of their guys on their receiving core. And they lose probably one of their best players in school history in Brady Dever, uh, just being real. And one of the best quarterbacks they've ever had, one of the best quarterbacks in Houston, 100-plus touchdowns or whatever uh, the record was for him over time. Uh, James Donovan, they lose Connor Tallis on the defensive side, who had, what, 200-plus tackles. So they have to replace a lot. And, you know, it's not like they're short of talent because they probably have the most in all of those division and the whole division probably have one of the two, three most talented guys in Bennett Warren, Max Granville. And those twos are going to be going to play power five ball as when their careers are done in high school. Uh, Bennett, you know, dropped the top four, including Michigan, A&M and Tennessee. And, you know, guys like that, you know, don't come across often in private school. So having guys like that and Granville, Granville probably will be DPOY at the end of the year, just of how good he's going to be. But they have a lot of questions going into the year. Who's going to be their quarterback? Who's going to be the starter? Who else besides Tyler Curry are they going to have at the receiver position? Uh, running back, you know, they have Jordan coming in from uh, Richmond Foster. Uh, and then on the other side, they have a lot of positions that need to be replaced, especially in defensive back. And you lose Kobe Sellers, which is a huge, huge loss that can't be understated. Um, but they have a couple guys, defensive line, they're going to be set with Granville and Jimmy Ducksworth, who, you know, we love here at the program. Uh, but they have a lot of questions and a lot of transfers and can they gel quick enough to where if they play uh second Baptist, which they have them at home, luckily, are they going to be gelled and ready enough to be and compete with those guys? And that's going to be interesting to watch. I completely agree. One, and you, you mentioned it. One of my big questions for Fort Bend is as long as I've covered them doing this podcast, they have always been able to out-talent their opponents at the receiver position specifically with guys like Marcus Creatson, Brian Domino, Braylon Gardoni. They've just had, and not just one or two guys, they've had three or four guys that are just like, you get them the ball, they go, and, and they're far and away better than the DBs they're playing. This year, and again, I'm a huge Tyler Curry fan. I think things he did as a sophomore, especially in that state semifinal game, he's a very good player. I don't know who they have besides that. Um, and I think it's going to be a big factor. And also it doesn't help and kind of compounds the issue that we don't quite know who they have at quarterback. You know, it, it's a question mark for sure. Now, obviously you have generational private school talents, Max Granville and Bennett Warren. Can, can those guys win you the games that you need to win? Yeah, they're obviously going to be able to beat you, um, TWCA, Lutheran South, Kelly, and St. John's, but that's not what Fort Bend is interested in. They're interested in beating Second Baptist. I know, and I know that they got them back in the playoffs and they won the game that mattered and got to the state championship. I know that Coach Black and everyone else coming back is still a little pissed off about how they kind of got emasculated um, in the regular season last year. And yeah, they they excise some of those demons in the playoffs, but they're going to want to do that again this year. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, man. I mean, on paper right now, I'm going to say Second Baptist is the better team. Thankfully, the game isn't played on paper. Um, I think there's a lot of emotional baggage, pent-up, rage and things like that that's going to play a part 
when we come to that matchup in the season. And it's funny, I'm previewing a game that we're not going to see for for like three, four months now. But I'm going to be ready for it. And with with a guy, first of all, Beck Bryden is, is a great coach. And with a guy like Jordan Black at the helm and just being around him and seeing his work as a motivator and being somehow um, a great tactical coach and a player's coach, um, I'm never going to say Fort Bend's going to be going to be out of it. But right now we have to put second Baptist at the first spot. Um, I just, like you already mentioned, I'm not going to go rehash the whole preview, but JD crisp, I think is a, is a candidate for the MVP of this district. I want to also mention they lose their offensive coordinator, I believe, right? They, their offensive coordinator at Fort Bend, I think leaves and they get replaced by a guy who supposedly one of the like very, very smart minded offensive coordinator. And I met him down there and I forgot his name and I apologize to you, man, but uh, everyone I've talked to about him has high praise and knows offense like the back of his hand. And so I think having him in that spot will be really, really good to kind of mentor these young quarterbacks. And it's going to be Jack Malone or Kane Colo at the quarterback spot. It's going to be interesting to see who wins that job, but they have a couple guys on the defensive line, Jacob Bjorn, Bjornild, uh, guys like that, and it's going to be interesting to see how they do. Jordan Rogers also at the safety spot. It's going to be a huge, mm-hmm. huge help to a lot of these younger guys who haven't been there for a while and are getting used to the program. Having Jordan Rogers back there will be huge for them. So I think they have a lot of tools, and like I'm adding this game, the second Baptist Fort Bend game, to I'll be there no matter what games. And I will be making a graphic of those games in private school this year, and that's definitely on the list because that game is going to be so much fun because at Fort Bend this year too, it's going to be a good one. I completely agree. It's going to be a fantastic time for sure. But transitioning into our three and four spots, another storyline I want to bring up, does the Woodlands Christian and Lutheran South have anything in their tank to challenge the top dogs? Walker, do you think those guys have a shot at, at catching Fort Bend or Second Baptist napping this year? I think, I don't know about LSA, but I think the Woodlands could shock. I'm not saying, uh, I if, you know, I don't, uh, let me see. who You look this up for me while I'm talking. Who does Woodlands Christian have at home? Um, because... Grayson Boker is a guy that, you know, just got offered by Baylor and Liberty in the offseason. And is and I think he's going to be one of the best linebacking prospects in all of Houston, the great area. Uh, and he's a he's a dude, man. He is a dude. And Gunner, Gunner Ocklet and Bo Ellis, guys like that are going to be huge pieces for this team. Um, and I really like Jonathan Vidal. I think he was a good player. And I think. Um, they have pieces, uh, Cameron Leslie, I believe is the guy or no, Tyler Seeger might be the guy. Uh, yeah. Tyler Seeger is the guy who's six, six two fifteen as a 2025. And he is going to be a guy that could be a division one talent one day. And I think having all of these guys, um, they lose a talented senior class led by Josh Johnson, but, um, all these guys have potential to, Hey, if they have a couple of teams at home, they could, they could have it, make it interesting. And to make it even more interesting, they do have those couple teams at home. They got Fort Bend and Second Baptist both at Ooh. home. So we will see. Um, I think there there's not as steep of a talent drop-off as there is in District 1 with Liberty and All Saints and everyone else. But I think there's a drop-off after Fort Bend. I don't think right. it's, it's nearly as steep. I think, like you said, I think especially with Fort Bend and Second Baptist, TWCA getting them at home, 
I think we might see something. And like you said, I'm very big on Grayson Boker, Gunnar Oakland, and everyone else they have. Um, I, I think it'll be interesting. I think that TWCA certainly has enough talent to compete. And from the things that we've heard from the people inside of the program, um, they're, they're dark horses to watch this year, certainly. But that being said, I'm um, talking about some losses. Yeah, like like you mentioned, Walker, losing Marcus Cantu at LSA hurts a lot. Um, it's probably a decision that's best for his career, you know, being a being a Texas baseball commit. But I mean, that being said, he was a very good quarterback for them. Now, LSA still has guys like Wesley Willingham, who I am a big fan of, not only in in his name, but also I mentioned this um, before we started recording. Uh, he's he's a very talented overall running back. He's a guy you get the ball and you can you can run him like 30 times a game and be fine off of that. But um, I do think there's a there's a there's a step down after TBCA um, when you get to when you get to Lutheran South. But yeah, I mean, Walker, that obviously hurts them a lot. No. Yeah, I think uh, LSA is going to be an interesting one. Cantu is a great quarterback and, you know, it definitely makes sense if he wants to, you know, focus on baseball. But Matthew Furness, Wesley Willingham over there at Lutheran South are going to be good players. Jalen Best. And I really am excited to see this uh, 2026 defensive back, Braden Robinson. Yeah, I've heard a lot of mm-hmm. good things about him and uh, from, you know, other coaches and stuff like that. And I'm excited to see him play. And uh, hopefully I can make it down to a Lutheran South game this year because I'm very, very intrigued um, to see how he does this year. And I think, you know, Lutheran South has always made people uh, – I was always fighting and had that kind of gritty games here and there. Just they couldn't get over the hump in a lot of games. But they have they have pieces that could maybe shock some teams if they do the right things. And yeah, uh, you know, Katie St. John's and Beaumont Kelly. It's just gonna be interesting. Beaumont loses a lot. And I will say it would be such a more interesting district if you had um the quarterback that was there at Beaumont Kelly, uh Roy Thomas Jenkins, you know, if he was there, still there. Uh, I know he went over to whatever Beaumont Westbrook, but if he was still there, that would be, I mean, he would be the best quarterback in that district probably now, but it just, it just, you know, talking about that type of things, like it just be fun and interesting to see how Beaumont Kelly, if guys like him and the rest of his guys didn't transfer out, how it have been. But uh, it looks like, you know, they have a guy coming in from uh, Beaumont Westbrook uh, and Quincy Derry, who's going to be a five, nine, 170 pound player. And, Maybe he could cause some damage. And, you know, Beaumont Westbrook is one of the powerhouse talent in the Golden Triangle. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Beaumont Kelly does. But, um, yeah, uh, best of luck to Mike Long over there, the head coach, and seeing how he does over there. Absolutely. So that being said, that's really all of the storylines that I wanted to hit in District 4. Wrapping that up, I think um, Second Baptist and Fort Bend, obviously there's a lot of top-end talent, but I think – between TWCA and um, Lutheran South, I think there's there's a couple teams that can that could make things interesting and catch one of the Giants sleeping if the opportunity provides itself. But that being said, that actually closes out not only the District Four preview but all of the previews for Taps Division Two. So I could say we're ending the episode there, but we are not. We decided to power rank um, the teams in district or division two switching between saying division and district is breaking my brain. It's, it's just a coin flip, whether I said the right thing at this point, but long story short, we power rank the top 10 teams um, coming into the season in our opinion in division two. So 
Let's just get into it. At number one, surprise, surprise, we have Argyle Liberty Christian. Number two, Fort Worth All Saints, followed by Austin Regents at three, Second Baptist at number four, Fort Bend Christian at number five, Midland Christian at six, Hyde Park, our the Woodlands Christian Academy at seven, Hyde Park at eight, the Grace Community Cougars at number nine, and then Lutheran South at 10. So, Walker, we've spoken to all these teams at length. Um, just regarding some quick thoughts on our power rankings, um, what are your thoughts? Um, what again, yet again, what's the rationale behind putting these teams where they are? Yeah, I think it's, I think one and two makes sense. Three is definitely probably the favorite in the South right now, uh, with Second Baptist and Fort Bend right behind them competing for that, you know, competing for that first spot. And then everyone six down is going to be interesting to me. Uh, Midland Christian, you know, is a good squad, and they'll probably be that third. We, we have them third place in that dis- district one. And, uh, you know, only one team from District 2 in Grace Community. And besides Austin Regents in Hyde Park, that's the only two teams in uh, uh, District 3. So that'll be interesting to watch. You know, you could see a team like, uh, whatever, Brownsville St. Joseph sneak in there or maybe like a Frisco Legacy sneak in there. Uh, but I, I think I, I think I like our top 10 right now. I agree with that. And I, I will say I can just see the writing on the wall um, because it happened last year. I I think Grace is going to start the season 5-0 and against Winona, Wills Point, Brook Hill, Lone Oak, and Spring Hill against five or four bad public schools and then a, a decent D3 team in Brook Hill. They're going to get – they might get overrated a little bit and then eventually – I don't know. We'll see. Um, I'm trying to – I'm trying to protect – um, my feelings from getting too too inflated as the year goes on. I'm a homer at heart. I can't help it. I paid Walker five dollars for the episode started and said if we can just get Grace in the top ten, I'll do it. No, Grace does deserve to be in there. Um, I think they're a solid team. And in terms of the overall rankings, yeah, I mean, I I think it's hard to argue the way that we have it laid out. I think the biggest arguments you can make is is liberty versus all saints one or two and i think there's going to be a lot of regents fans that are that are upset that they're not ranked number one i think they are nothing if not confident in their own abilities that's not a slam at all i love the swagger out of austin but we'll see i think they're incredibly talented but at the end of the day you can't look me dead in the face at the rosters that liberty and all saints have amassed and say anyone in the state is should be number one right now on paper again i'm stressing on paper we haven't seen any of these teams play real games yet football is not played on paper we don't make little origami shapes and do little little paper field goal football this is real games we will adjust as necessary once we start playing games but this is what we're here for to speculate to make comments about who's going where and to give you all some things to enjoy um before moving into the season so Walker, that all being said, we have exhausted the content that we had on paper for this episode. Is there anything that you want to leave the audience with before we get out of here? No, I think that's really it. Um, You know, this is two divisions down. We'll move into doing three and four next week and, uh, you know, uh, SBC after that. So stay tuned for those. And uh, uh, I think we already did all our housekeeping, so there's not much to say. So, yeah, thank you all for all for watching if you if you continued all the way here. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited, man. It's We're getting slowly and slowly more and more uh, closer to football, and that's always a good time. I agree. It's very exciting. And I promise this year we're doing D3, D4 in the SBC schools. We're not stopping with D2. 
Um, we, we planned this out a little better than last year. We got kind of crunched for time, but this year it will happen. We'll get it done. And every, every division in private school that we cover will get a preview. But all that being said, as always, I have been one half of your hosting crew, West Hollis, and joining you from Sunnyvale, Texas. Walker Lott has fantastically been himself in College Station. We will see you in the next episode in the D3 and D4 preview. See you later. Three, two, one.